0: If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends, wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, The Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Gooder, German host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined. By a man who's never hit his eye on a basketball hoop. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh,
1: good and grounded. Uh, after after that reminder, no, I, I, this is this is hard for for folks who 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 know me in my less felt later years. But I have dumped a basketball on a ten foot rim whilst in my prime. Uh, I couldn't do it regularly, but I did do it a couple times, two or three. With success, so I don't know if that puts me in the category of of uh, Jericho Sims, but uh, I'm basically to to me and my people, I I I, I reign uh, in such a way.
0: Jericho Sims having quite a summer league. Knicks fans very enamored with him, and I'm I'm glad he's a guy who deserves that level of uh that level of admiration. But we're not here to talk about the NBA summer league, Kyle. We're here to talk about fall practice, even though feels like summer in texas and it's fine so had a scrimmage over the weekend a couple of days of practice since we apologize we're a day late kyle and i had had a we had a little bit of a monday we normally record on on monday nights but kyle had some computer issues i had children not sleeping issues and it just wasn't happening it is what it is so we're here to talk about scrimmage one slash monday tuesday practice we'll also continue our, our position preview series looking at the linebackers We'll. Down the 40, Texas officially started its 2021-22 academic slash athletic year, and so Texas looks to defend unseating Stanford as the greatest athletic department in the conference. So, a country. We'll talk about that, and we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So, we had a scrimmage over the weekend, Kyle. The players did a game like situation, had the quarterbacks running and rotating, had the defense hitting and popping. And in there was some good, there was some bad to come out of the scrimmage so it could be read one of two ways right the big storyline was that Sark said after the press conference that neither quarterback lived up to his standard nor the standard that they have for themselves but he also said that he's harder on the quarterback position than he is on any other position and he's not going to settle for mediocrity which I love right he also said that's part of the process so the quarterback competition is still heating up now as of tuesday night uh hudson card has gotten two straight days of working with the ones but sark has not gone on record actually gone on record and said he's still working them both in that was just the media availability there's a small window of media availability that people can see the practice so we'll see how it works out but the quarterback battle still very much at least until scrimmage two up in the air kyle does it, what, what feeling does this put in you? As you think about we're like three weeks out from a season and Texas is still trying to figure things out at the quarterback spot.
1: We've always said what's better than one quarterback is two. um, no, uh, it does seem like maybe there's for the first time, some, some clarity starting in the position, um, going through a whole offseason with two quarterbacks is always, it's always tough. Um, I think the general thinking was if the experience is even an inter- interesting word, the, um, age, I guess the amount of years in a Texas program more than anything, of Thompson didn't necessarily put him head and shoulders above that card with more time to develop and is himself a really lauded recruit would make sense that you 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 build a program with the younger guy if if he's uh, an equal or potentially higher ceiling. So I don't know that that's done yet. I don't know that Casey Thompson is the type of guy to lay down either. If, um, you know, if there's still a, if there's a fight there, I, I wouldn't, I still would not bet against him, uh, or both of them getting, getting some snaps in, in, in early and often. So uh, I think it might be a couple of weeks before again, it's really done, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this is a writing on the wall. Um, and we will find out in this podcast, uh, coming out on a, on a, Wednesday will will be stale by by Thursday when it's announced, but I doubt it. Uh, but anyways, I, I think um, I think it's 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 a sign. I don't know if it's a good or a bad sign, but it's a sign that I, I don't think you heard Nick Saban necessarily heaping praise on his quarterback before the season. I don't think you know. I think that Sarkisian picked up a lot of things. He has developed a lot of things in his own. But but for one thing, from Nick Saban is you know he's motivating those players to be better. He's saying they weren't up to my standard and they hear that that's not lost on them. Right. He is uh publicly kind of challenging them to, to go and, and rise above, be better. And to be, Hey, the, the the reputation that Steve Sarkeesian has is he puts elite offenses on the field. He puts a, guys in the NFL at the, all kinds of positions, but at the quarterback position included, Um, and you need to buy in and do the things that he wants you to do. And you'll have success. Look at again, Mac Jones last year. So um I think he's challenging them to be better challenging them to be up to his standard, which is probably better than most standards of coaches in the country. And that's a good thing. That's the, that should be the Texas standard. So I'm okay with it. Um, there's all kinds of caveats galore of offensive line, you know, receivers who, who are either banged up or just not, you know, stepping up in, in, in that way, offensive line that isn't, uh, isn't necessarily winning against a really elite defensive line. A defense will always be a little bit ahead um, in kind of this part of the season right before uh, the season. It's easier for defenses than offenses to be fully – cohesive so um i don't know I, I i think caveats aside it's an interesting comment i don't think anyone needs to panic the sky isn't falling um but let's hope what it means is that texas has a top 10 defense
0: yeah so there, like i said there's two ways to read that one like i'm on team how did god on god's green earth did mac jones get drafted in the first round and so steve sarkisian aj mill we know more about quarterbacks developing quarterback and getting a quarterback to where they need to be they've forgotten more than you and i will ever learn in the rest of our lives so like i'm Correct. totally fine trust them to make this decision and trusting them to get the quarterback where it needs to go. There are also some reports that the wide receivers are, are struggling with some consistency as well. So there's a conversation to be had there that maybe it's it's a combination of the two. But I think the third, the other way that you have to read this is Sark talked about how good he feels about the defensive line, that they're deep, that they're consistent. You know, Mora Ojomo came out on, on Monday and talked about like, we're really deep to the point where like sweat. Coburn and and I can take a break and there's not a drop off in talent. And so, I'm starting to think that the Texas offense is playing against, at least on the front, one of the best fronts they're going to play all year. Maybe not the best, but one of the best fronts are going to play all year. And it, it, there's an argument to be made that it could be the right. There's still a lot to be said. West Virginia is is reloading a little bit. Oklahoma has some horses, yeah. right? Uh, so there, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to be said. But like, that may be one of the best units that they're going to play all year, and so. I'm and again, we've been accused of being too positive, right? It is what it is. But but a Pete Kwiatkowski defense is designed to make quarterbacks have to make too many reads and too many decisions. Now, Sark's job is to get them to slow down and make the right reads. But that to me is the positive way to read it. And I think if the if the defensive line the defensive front that kind of front four, six, five-ish guys, right? Whatever you want to call it for Kwiatkowski is, is giving Sark's offense fits. I choose to believe that that's going to be a good thing.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I, I think, look, right. One of the things that we all know about this year with Texas is that it is going to, the offense is going to run through, uh, Bijan. And I think that, you know, you're not necessarily going to pound him incessantly in scrimmages and practices more than you have to, um, I, I think, uh, and I shouldn't say just be done, I think through the running game, and but but certainly him at the head of it. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that the run will open up the pass. We will, we will play like that a lot this year. Um, the other thing is, is Texas was a great run blocking team. Last year we talked about an our offensive line preview, um, but but majors at center may not see another guy the size of either of the two Texas nose tackles in and sweat or Coburn this season, right? Like Baylor has the transfer who's, you know, 320, 30 and some change. Um, and uh, I think actually surprisingly enough, our, our opening opponent has a 340 some odd pound for Louisiana. Um, but even like OU and, and West Virginia um, have, sub 300 nose tackles, um, or right, right at 300, um, which again, it's, it's not easy for any center, but for majors, uh, to, to move Coburn by all accounts, he's really causing a ruckus in the middle so um it'll be interesting like i said I, I i will i will reserve judgment until they play a defense that isn't wearing the same you know name on their jersey uh about the line the quarterbacks and the entire offense again i'm giving heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of of, of a benefit of a doubt and grains of salt uh about a, a steve sarkeesian coached team having a a good offense i i just until i don't see it i'm gonna choose to believe it
0: i was looking at like the 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 statistics from last year and like if pk can basically hold the line and sark can improve the texas offense by like i don't know half a point a drive texas is an elite company right like they're up there on on your defensive you know your offensive and defensive efficiency with the play the teams that went to the playoffs last year and so if if I don't imagine that Sark is going to turtle, right? I don't imagine that that's going to happen. Now, again, Sam Ellinger kind of covered up some of the, the ills of Tom Herman and some spots. He also exposed some of the ills of trying to make him into a, a downfield passing quarterback, but that's either here or there. But, like, I, I am – I'm cautiously – calm about this i'm weirdly like i'm not freaking out i'm not the panic button is not being hit and again like whatever situation happens on offense i think the defense at least for the first couple of weeks is going to be good enough to carry texas i think that the defense pk's defense and we'll talk about kind of some of the things in our second chunk today but like pk's defense is designed to make quarterbacks and make offenses kind of play the game that the defense wants to play, right? If you're going, if you're going to try to run the ball, then we'll spin our, we'll spin our two linebackers down and have them put a hand in the dirt and play run protection. And we'll go four down with, you know, four down with two linebackers and, and five in the secondary. I right? know oh, you want to pass it. Okay. So we'll spin up one or both of our ends and have them come off the edge and have, you know, make you make you try to figure out if this guy's going to drop into pass coverage or if he's going to rush you and maybe he'll do a little bit of both. Both to throw you off, take a step, and then drop into zone. Right, it's like there's. I'm confident in PK's defense and the horses that Tom Herman was able to leave in the stable for Pete Kwiatkowski on the defensive side of the ball. That group is pretty stocked, and so if if he can raise the floor of that defense even a little bit from where Chris Ash left it, because they left it in a really good situation, they were a good unit last year, and so like I am I'm confident, cautiously confident, the defense can hold things down for a couple of weeks while the offense hopefully figures things out
1: and i do think a big part of you mentioned gerald just end with this of that offense figuring out that that what he said basically is uh, running backs four deep, which is great for, for Jonathan Brooks. I assume is the is the fourth, so good for him to get in there. I think everyone who's who's seen anything from scrimmage practice or otherwise uh, is talking about the explosiveness that Keelan Robinson has. I think he'll be a contributor. They'll find a way to, to get him on the field and get the ball in his hands. Uh, and he said he feels good about the tight ends, which is which is you know, great. And welcome to hear, especially if they're running a twelve formation. But the receivers played quote okay and need to be better um that was without josh moore and kilvante in the scrimmage i think those are both injured and held out i believe morris since returned um but basically the thing that it set up was your four most targeted receivers being the four w's uh whittington worthy woodard uh and washington which i don't know if we all had that on our bingo card but um one of those four two of those four uh will need to kind of step up and and make uh make a difference Um, because again, you saw what Sarkeesian can scheme for wide receivers last year, but there is a level of, uh, okay, I'm going to hunt you matchups. I'm going to get you a one-on-one matchup. I'm going to get you uh, against this defense going this way, but you have to win it. You have to create the separation. You have to catch the ball when it's thrown. You have to bail your quarterbacks out. Sometimes you have to, you know, all those things. So it'll be, it'll be curious just to see. I think that that offensive line continues to be what we talked about our biggest kind of what we're looking at but i think receivers obviously the whole longhorn fandom is 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 tuned in uh hoping to hear about someone breaking out there and, and kind of separating themselves uh, and who that will be.
0: So we'll obviously have another scrimmage this weekend and so it's it feels like we're closing in on a decision on some vital things and we'll obviously bring you all of the updates as they happen we're winding down our positional previews we did the defensive line last week and now we are doing the linebackers and you're going to hear some uh repetition of names that came up (laughs) a little bit last week because uh the thing about pk's defense and we talked about it on the first half last week we kind of talked about four down linemen but really it's kind of like a, a two slash four and then a four slash two at the linebacker spot depending on yeah. how he wants to play right there's gonna be five dbs he's all gonna have that nickel in there but the the linebackers play a little bit of a hybrid role in, and so uh you're gonna hear some names repeated from last week but you know the the jack outside linebacker and the x that that outside linebacker again they they you find guys that can play both with the hand in the dirt and standing up your traditional linebackers your will and your sam will will play at that linebacker spot but they're both really both could be technically considered inside linebackers because again it is a four linebackers yeah so we'll, we'll talk about we'll start there because we didn't really talk about that as much this or last we didn't talk about that at all last week so the guy who I think you and I, and I talked about it. I went on the tortillas and takes podcast last week and talked about him Uh, at the will spot, the guy that you and I, I think I'm super excited about. And I'm really excited to see if he can continue on the trajectory he created last, last year is DeMarvian Overshown, the armband, Mm -hmm. the guy you and I absolutely love. Um, He's in his second year of playing that spot. He is one of two guys that you and I stood on the table to just, just get over this safety thing and, and, you know, eat a couple extra you know uncrustables before bed and play linebacker right and so he made the decision and early on we we honestly thought we were going to have to eat our words but as the season progressed overshone got his legs underneath him and honestly turned out to be one of the better linebackers in the conference. And so I'm excited to see what his trajectory looks like this year. If it continues, uh, if he continues to develop and grow into, I think the athlete, and the linebacker that we think he is.
1: Yeah. And there's, 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 we always love a player who chooses to, to switch a position, right? I think we, we love Gerard Hurd for that reason, to go from quarterback to kind of learn receiver and try to win, help the team. Um, Derek, cursed said or decided to slide in we talked a lot about how that wasn't a good thing but the coaches asked him to do it thought it could be for the benefit of the team we always appreciate that but there is the other type of move and i think that roshan johnson probably falls into that category and certainly Demarvin marvin overshun where it is also beneficial for the player right I remember brian urlacher was a safety uh in college uh originally as well so um sometimes when a coach sees your skill set and says, look, if you go here, not only can you be good for us on, on Saturdays, but you can, you know, translate that into Sundays as well. And, and I think, you know, uh, Overton moving actually absolutely helps the thing that, that we all need to remember is, yeah, this is, this will be his second year. This was absolutely his first camp. He was robbed uh, due to COVID of, of any chance to learn the linebacker position Um you switch positions then have no chance to really pick it up. So he's basically learning each week. And if you go back and watch, he was getting better each week. He was getting more comfortable. There is certainly a difference. You want your best players can play anywhere and, and do it to a certain percentage, but having mastery, understanding your assignments, not having to think understanding your position so well so that you can play instinctively has that's where you go from 70% to hundred percent. You know, that's that, that's that jump where you really, truly see. And I think this year you have a chance where you really will, will see that, that leap. And that's not only again, to just, also talk about the scheme that I think we're going to see um, that really will benefit him, and I, I won't get too, you know, incredibly technical. But but I mean, effectively, they he will only have about three places as as a will that he's going to um, be asked on on pass or run coverage to 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 make reads, and and it and it should. Um, what he's expected to do from there in his fill assignment should actually just really let him play downhill, let him be an athlete, let him be instinctive and and go after the ball and, and get after people. And I think it's really going to, it's going to help a lot. I think it'll be interesting. However, they line up, whether, you know, they, they give that 46 look that we saw some in the spring game and, and, PK's done where they slide some people around, um, and and Will kind of comes off the edge. Or again, in, in coverage, we saw him in that Colorado game. Um, what he can do in that safety skill, where you know, having a six four. Let's remember, he's huge as well as fast. A six four linebacker who can move in space and take away that underneath, which is the the, the Big Twelve basically all the good passing offenses try to stress those those crossing kind of cross the middle routes between zone between a, a guy a safety over top and a linebacker having a guy like Overshin really messes with what offenses like to do again you saw it in Colorado where he got an interception you know 25 30 yards down the field because he was underneath and jumped uh a route and i think you will see more of that playmaking um i hope we see more of like what we saw in oklahoma state i believe where he got you know a a sack just if you if you're going to give him a a blitz and i think on that one he went up the middle um and, and not chip him that speed downhill like sorry to your quarterback so really excited for what he can do for this whole defense
0: yeah, he's he's a I mean he's a linebacker that can naturally play in pass pro because he was a safety. He's got sideline to sideline speed. He didn't really sacrifice much when he when he added the bulk to his already sizable frame to play linebacker. So uh, David Ben does another name you'll probably hear. He's a he's a, a guy we will we loved we loved watching him as a recruiting with Unkill get uh, some opportunity. Devin Richardson and Jalen Ford also uh, are in the mix, but uh, at the Sam spot, this is probably the biggest surprise of camp so ben davis who was a you know former five-star guy from alabama uh dealt with some injuries and just didn't see the field much in alabama transferred in we expected him to kind of get the lion's share of the work at Sam, but the last name you're familiar with Luke Brockermeyer uh, seems to be kind of the breakout star or breakout at linebacker so far, but he's playing really, really well. Sark even mentioned him specifically that, you know, he kind of just knows what to do. He trusts his instinct and he plays. That's a quote from the head coach. And so he's, he's a guy who uh, may not have the pedigree of some of the other guys that are, that are competing for position. But as we all are well aware of, the number of stars of uh, next to your name as you come onto campus doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to get the job done. And so seeing Luke Brockermeyer step up at that Sam spot uh, has been kind of this, uh, a big storyline that we're, we're not talking enough about.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's been really interesting because he's been one of the better players, defensive backs included so far from all reports. And you saw it in the scrimmage of playing the ball in the area an interception in the scrimmage. And apparently he has just been dominating practices still when they had pads on before they had pads on just just picking balls off which again is not necessarily what we all expected from the walk-on so um obviously great last name you know there's talent uh to be had in a brockermeyer but uh really really great story i think everyone's rooting for him ben davis still has talent i think benda might even get some looks uh it's sam richardson and ford played a lot in the scrimmage i don't know where everyone is going to work on the edge inside uh, i just know there's a lot of guys but it, uh, from all accounts brockermeyer and overshun have a really good chemistry on top of everything, they play well off of each other. Um, and, and again, with Brockermeyer's kind of dropping into that that uh, shallow to deep middle and pass protection, um, he is he is exceeding all expectations.
0: The chemistry he has with with Overshone is is something that's been mentioned as well. And so again, he, he got some playing time, I think, just because it was thin toward the end of last year and, and now he's really stepped up and taken advantage of it. And so you know what? If if the if if a Brockermeyer is playing for Texas, then I feel pretty good about it. Uh Ben Davis missed some time with an injury. mess we met, we mentioned him already. And so hopefully, again, if he can live up to even 75% of his billing that he came out of high school with and uh, he'll be a contributor. We mentioned the, the, the edge rusher, the Jack position last week Uh Ray Thornton has been gotten a lot of, of, play with his hand in the ground uh ov his ovo uh has a lot of people talking about him he was a highly coveted player in the transfer portal Uh, and so those those two guys seem to be heavy in the rotation for that rush outside guy and i there's a reason why texas attacked the portal the way they did at linebacker right pk and sark didn't really think they had the guys that they needed to run this system. And so it seems like they struck gold and found the the players that they needed to at least bridge the gap as they try to recruit and get the scholarship situation worked out at the linebacker spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see who gets more sacks, you know, Jacoby Jones on one side and um, who was a transfer the year, before basically, um, and, and then who has one more year in the system and has been doing pretty well uh, by all accounts on on one uh, edge rusher spot, and then you know Ray Thornton, a guy who came from LSU and has has kind of taken that mantle as the the jack so far or or Ovi. So basically, when you talk about. Four transfers because Ben Davis from Alabama, Ray Thorne from LSU, Ovi from Notre Dame from huge programs or Jacoby Jones who came the Juco router. It would be very interesting to see who has the, the most impact because you can find gems uh, multiple ways. I mean, Texas with the Juco linebacker has done it multiple times in recent years, but it will be interesting to see um, because ultimately, again, really, really solid almost elite uh, interior defensive line. They are going to create pressure there as well, but Getting after the quarterback, getting be able uh, being able to create pressure off the edge uh, with any of these guys we we mentioned is going to be huge. Uh, we'll do our defensive backs uh, kind of preview it next week, um, but it will be huge for allowing this defense to to, as you said, hold or even take. A step up again. This linebacker group, um, and and again specifically what they can do with the pass rush will will we'll tell a lot. How we're talking about this at the end of the season, but I mean it's important to to just think about right. Uh, PK is the defensive coordinator, but he also coaches outside linebackers. That is his specific pet group that he coaches ash was a defensive backs uh coach um so he's put six edge players in the nfl in the last decade between boise and washington um he is going to be coaching that that group up that means a lot to him it's not surprising that's what they went after then the internal linebackers is his like you know Best best bud Jeff Choate, who uh, they coached together for many years, and then was the head coach at Montana State, a team that had been in the FCS playoffs for the first time when he was head coach. He kind of had been building something great there. To make that jump, you know, you know there is a trust. He's buying into PK system. He's buying into. This being, you know, his chance to 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 I'm presumably launch into greater things at the D1 level as well. Um, but again, a former head coach there now coaching the other linebackers. That's a lot of brain power for this position group. So they've already been getting it. I think it will only um as we go through the season and then into the offseason, uh again, only help all of those guys as as you get just kind of the brain power that you've you've got in that linebacker room.
0: Now, you can't live and die by the transfer portal, so you're not sure. Texas State, you need to take some kids out of high school, but we'll uh, hopefully see uh, this group flourish, and, and it's a group that I think could, if the if the linebackers are successful, and if the linebackers are what we think they could be, it could proved to be a pretty big recruiting boom for texas as you're still in the mix for some highly talented linebackers from in-state and out-of-state uh that are that are sniffing around the 40 acres and we'd love to have them in burnt orange so that's the part of the show where we mop up all the other news and we start to get give some shine to the other things going on on campus and we down the 40 so the texas longhorns got another ranking a decently sized number next to their name number 21 in the ap poll their number 19 in the coaches poll one of three big 12 teams ranked now um there's a there's a there's two different conversations happening on the internet there are people that are like texas is overrated and then there are people that have some sense and saying texas is accurately to somewhat like mildly underrated to accurately rated right there are two different schools of thought and and it really depends on how you look at the data
1: yeah and 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 i think you know if you you aren't in advanced analytics the simplest data is texas finishes in the top 25 they fire coaches for finishing in the top 25 it's it's you know there was a charlie strong era but that appears to be a bit of an uh, a bit of a blip and and not necessarily you know that's not when people make jokes about Texas being so awful, that's what they're referencing and love him, hate him or otherwise, you know, there's like nine distinct touchdowns over four years or Tom Herman is a bunch of 10 win seasons, you know, Um, but uh, you know, he, he finished in the top 25 and did it last year and got fired. So it's not crazy at all for Texas to be ranked in the preseason top 25. And it's not crazy if you, uh, if you listen to the nerds, if you go deeper uh, into the analytics and, and Gerald and I are both nerds of varying degrees. I think Gerald, really deep dives even further than I and, and can explain some some deep analytical stats uh even better than I can but uh by both profession passion and uh and hobby uh, I think we both uh skew a bit analytical but uh the uh, Rob uh uh Balbrin, I believe is how you say it um has the the analytics driven model the beta rank um that he puts out and uh I was very curious to see they had uh, five. Big 12 teams in the top 25. OU at number one, Iowa state at number four, uh, Texas at number 10 between those two teams was number eight. A and M, um, TCU at 13, which I said TCU was a dark horse. That's uh, a little bit frightening depending how you look at it. Oklahoma state at 21. And then just outside the top 25, actually West Virginia at 28 and Texas tech at 32, uh, UT's first opponent Louisiana at 35, just behind those schools. So, um, again, it, it's interesting. Everyone has views, everyone, you know, depending how you look at um, returning production, look at uh, coaching kind of intangibles, recruiting rank. There's many ways that you can saturate a data model to, to skew one way or the other. And each model you could cherry pick can, can have, you know, your team is the best or, or even you can get them to call you national champion 40, 60, 70 years later. Um, so you have to be careful how far <laughs> you go, you know, into it. But uh, um I think to say that 21 is probably the floor and Texas fans would not be happy if that number isn't at least a little smaller by the end of the year, right? Uh, I think would be a, an accurate way to say this. You fired a coach who finished in the top 25 pretty much every year um, and in and, and his season that he was fired did so. Um, you have to expect that you can't be out of the 20, top 25 when when season to end comes.
0: Now, I think the advantage for Texas is that the schedule is kind of like the big 12 schedule is front loaded, right? Like they end with Kansas, West Virginia and Kansas state. And so if that number balloons a little bit, because they lose a couple in, in early in conference play, right? Maybe they lose to, to OU and Iowa State. If they beat the breaks off of Kansas, West Virginia, and Kansas State to close out the season, they will go into the bowl season vastly overrated, probably, and that's fine, right? <laughs> I like seeing a small number next to their name. Uh, but we'll have a, a separate conversation about that as it happens. So we have official sports starting, Kyle. on campus so the soccer team one of our favorites opens up opened up the 2021-2022 athletic season defending their director's cup with a 3-0 win over those jerks in purple the abilene christian wildcats
1: no one is mad about beating a a purple team and specifically a purple wildcat Uh, i've long said purple is the bane of ut's existence the cool thing to see was um, you had a bunch of those really, really high-ranked elite uh, young recruits playing. Um, again, Texas had one of it, had certainly its best soccer recruiting class of all time last year. Um, and the moment that the number one recruit in the nation stepped on campus and started playing last year, even though it was a weird COVID year, um, they started. They didn't lose, so they still haven't lost since uh, since basically Trinity Byers and uh, number one recruit Lexi Missimo have been. On campus and and playing so um not saying they're gonna go undefeated or something but uh they're good and they're young and there's a lot of talent and so they'll be a fun team
0: the season officially starts they're doing a little they're 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 doing the like the winter trip to florida too early so they're gonna they're gonna start the season on thursday against ucf we're heading to gainesville to take on the florida gators on saturday the newly minted kyle number one texas volleyball team also starts their season officially this weekend on saturday against louisiana state in baton rouge kyle the uh LSU might not be the the toughest opponent they're going to face all year. They struggled a bit last year, they're, but they're still a really talented squad. But um, the there's a gauntlet heading prior to conference play to get the ladies prepared for one of the tougher volleyball conferences in the country.
1: And I think it's a great shout to do so. Um, I think they scheduled well because Texas has basically dominated the Big 12 here for the past few years. Baylor is obviously very good, but, you know, they, they – it's not as though they're playing a gauntlet in the conference season where they have eight or nine people um every year who who are, are testing them, right? so for for the hopes of a long preseason run, it's great that according to the first poll, of course, you know those can change. But eight out of their ten non-conference opponents were ranked or at least in others receiving votes. So they're playing some of the the best people. And again, this is the the team, remember that lost. A heartbreaker in the national championship game returned everyone basically, uh, and continued to add. I think they had a top 20 uh, commitment yesterday, two days ago, uh, in the next class, so they're just keeping it stock, um, but also brought back. Assistant Jamie Morrison, who isn't a huge storyline, but is someone who came in halfway through the year last year, someone who's got offers to coach all around Europe um, and basically had a huge impact on the defense immediately. So a full year there with, again, the, the type of uh, outside hitters and, and, and middle blockers that Texas is bringing back uh, tells me that the, the ranking itself is, of course, deserved. This is very much like Texas basketball, Texas baseball, Texas volleyball, Texas swimming, these programs are all stocked, loaded, and it's almost a matter of which one of your ridiculously talented players gets on the court. Your, your hardest competition is your own team to get uh, into the starting lineup. There's some really, really, really loaded, talented Director's Cup winning uh, squads uh, on the 40 acres this year.
0: I mean, I think Texas will continue to be a uh, a contender for the Director's Cup be uh until maybe the end of time but that's neither here nor (laughs) there so keeping it college real fast the big 12 officially announced its covid policy for 2021 they announced that uh if a team cannot play the game due to a COVID situation they will indeed forfeit that game they will not reschedule they will not do anything other than say you're taking an l the only situation in which it will not be a forfeit as if both schools have COVID issues and then it will be a no contest so uh texas being at a a high enough vaccination percentage as it is seems like a strategic advantage at this point
1: absolutely you still should aim to get that number to exactly 100 to make sure but uh and and even then of course anything you know, can happen with breakthrough cases and everything. So continue to be safe, Texas Longhorns. Because yeah, we don't want to lose any games. And we just talked about all all sports across the forty are loaded, and there's no reason that we should lose due to uh, to that rule. Uh, maybe we'll get some easy wins if other people aren't, uh, aren't aren't up there. But yeah, let's let's make it a university goal to not have to enforce, be on the receiving end of that that rule.
0: It would not. Be pleasant. So let's move on to the preseason. So there are some Longhorns that are battling it out for um, some of them roster spots, some of them starting spots. But first and foremost, our guy, our quarterback, Sam. Ellinger got his first start in the NFL preseason, a typically Ellinger performance, 10 of 15 for 155 yards and tacked on eight carries for 30. He dropped a couple of dimes to uh, Tariq Black, who uh, finished with three catches and a team high 67 yards. But the big thing, the reason why it is Ellinger-esque, Ellingerian, I don't know how you want to say this, (laughs) but uh, typically Sam, he came into the game down 11 points and decided to lead the team to a comeback, including the tying two-point conversion and set up the game-winning field goal. That is Ellen Gor-esque if I've ever seen it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had a, a two-point conversion uh, that was, you know, a classic Sam. Uh, he actually had a little delay to it, but you uh, saw a lot of those two-point conversions during his, his time in the Herman Beck offense um, and had some good runs with his legs, converted third downs um, on plays when it didn't look like he was running to run. He was running to extend drives, and it clearly worked. Pulled off the come from behind win. It was 155 yards. He threw 67 of them to former TMAC teammate. Uh, Tarek Black, who who looked healthy, which he didn't for a majority of his one season, uh, on the 40 acres. So that was good to see. He had three catches there. Um, Holton Hill, Malik Jefferson, also on that roster. Sneaky if they all, uh, make it to the final roster. Sneaky, uh, UT centric team with Sam the QB and, uh, four total Longhorns right now.
0: Speaking of guys that we absolutely love, Joseph Osai got his first sack, happened to be on, um, a guy who who i'm softening on but tom brady um <laughs> tb12 he actually finished the game with three tackles a tackle for loss and that sack and two quarterback hits he was one of the best defenders at least pass rushers uh in the preseason that week
1: yeah uh, pro football focus had him leading all rookies with five qb pressures he did get a wrist injury and i think their initial news scared some people had said he broke it and might be bad it, it looks like no bones were shattered so they're hoping uh, he'll likely be back for for the first week of the season um but yeah i mean he i think also pro football focus had him as like the number two highest graded player outside of drafted outside of the first round so the slander of not drafting texas players high enough and seeing them perform at the next level continues gms look smart draft texas players
0: keep doing it keep it up. Caden Stearns uh, broke up a touchdown, putting a body on somebody. He led the Broncos with six tackles. They are also in the competition for most Longhorns in the league. They've got four with, uh, with Beck, Locke, and Calvin Anderson returning. Now, a game that had took the cake for most Longhorns between the two teams, uh, Ravens and Saints featured five Longhorns. Devin Duvernay, Justin Tucker, the Joker, Uh roach and lj humphrey uh that was a good one to watch if you like to uh rock and cheer for people wearing burnt orange in the pros
1: absolutely and caught a touchdown pass so that's always exciting really a guy i hope who can who can make the uh the, the first team this year um i think he was on on and off got activated on the practice squad last year so i hope we can get a spot there um catching touchdowns people like that
0: catch some touchdowns. Sam Cosme uh, ended up with pro football focus, third highest grade of rookie offensive lineman. So he is, continuing to um, live up to the billing that he had. Uh, unfortunately, he slid down the draft boards. And some uh, unfortunate news, Brendan Eagles, a guy who we were cheering for, uh, was cut this week, did not make the first round of cuts. So hopefully he can find a landing spot, even as a practice squad member. Keeping it in the pros, but on the hardwood, Greg Brown, GB3, the Hedgehog, officially signed with Portland and has been uh, putting together some highlight reels ever since.
1: Yeah, you look good in that one. Uh, I'm excited for the, the the dunk off between the rookies.
0: Legitimately, like legitimately based on the summer league, the slam dunk contest in three to four ish years could be like Kai Jones, Greg Brown and Jericho Sims. Right. Like, There's just a legitimate thing that could happen based upon the highlight reel stuff that they're putting together. And uh, finally, Jevin Felix, who you may remember from uh, several Texas games and a specific buzzer beater, uh, is now officially an assistant coach for Loy- Loyola in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, i love to see it. That North Carolina buzzer beater. UT has a, a way of beating North Carolina and ripping their heart out in basketball, which I love. Um, but that specific one is one of my favorite men's basketball moments in the new millennium. Um, beautiful, wonderful. He's, he will always be a, a Longhorn legend for that, if nothing else. I
0: mean, the beard. He was, he was rocking a yeah. really good beard on campus. Very, very impressed with his beardsmanship. But now this is the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha. And we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: Well, we tipped uh, my hand a little bit there when we talked about the 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 dunk contest that is, is seemingly happening. I don't know if there's uh, a wager going on uh, amongst uh, the NBA Longhorn signees. Uh, and again, I feel bad for Matt Coleman, who has like one career dunk uh, because of the four. He's the only one who doesn't have like a Sports Center top 10 dunk highlight. Um, basically, if you haven't been watching, there's three very distinct dunk styles, all of them utterly elite. Um the, we opened the show joking about Jericho Sims the man who can he did actually hurt himself by hitting his his like cheek on the rim um a guy with a 40 well over 40 inch vertical who's already like almost seven feet tall. It's just unfair. Uh, he basically could grab a, a quarter off, off the backboard um, tell the the cashier that he actually needs two dimes and a nickel. Uh, he has that much time in the, in the air um, but he's had some monster dunks. He had one where he just reached back and caught an alley you know, well behind. So it's this picture of him. I think we tweeted it out with legs, curled arms back and it just looked like an NBA jam, logo then dunks it through thunderously um kai jones is trying to just be a pure body snatcher basically his dunks are waiting for someone to get between him and the basket and then doing like a like a grim reaper type scythe over top of them and like taking their soul in the process um it, it's just like he he basically is such an interesting player with his athleticism and his body type, like uh, uh, Kevin Durant, almost with the length and height um, and ability to move, but, but actually at this point, maybe a little bit more athletic, at least just in a pure dunking. I don't want to say he's more athletic than Kevin Durant, who's an absolute monster, but um, has maybe a, a I don't want to say a quicker step either. I don't know to describe it, but has like a, an extra uh, bounce, I guess, um, and can just has that ability, with those long arms, just to get the ball over anyone, which makes him a great, great in-game dunker. And then, uh, like we mentioned, uh, Greg Brown did not wait at all. Signed, and then just officially went straight into it all again all three of these guys have been a sports center top 10 uh with their dunks but in in the same game had a breakaway dunk where he took it went between the legs and dunked in game which again is always nuts and then had a, a monster putback slam uh a couple minutes later in the same game um also had a couple blocks uh where he got up high and you just saw the athleticism uh that made all three of these guys special in college again it's reminds why the heartbreak that they couldn't make a deep tournament run just such a fun team i remember the Florida gulf coast what they call them lob city or dunk city or something all they did was dunk like i just would have loved a run where texas had 11 dunks a game that were just monsters but nonetheless it has been fun it has gotten us through the doldrums of sports uh post-olympics pre-fall sports being back and and watching nba summer league and the Longhorns specifically has been it
0: it's been an incredible watch for for both of us kyle i've had a really really good time Uh, watching the Summer League. Again, it's not something I normally watch, but there's a lot of content for us to, to take in. So I'm banging the drum this week on the NCAA. We talk a lot about how the NCAA is worthless, and they're pretty terrible, and we could talk on and on about how they botched the Baylor situation and the fact that the reason why Baylor got off of football sanctions is because that the university itself was so bad at reporting sexual assaults that it wasn't that bad that the football team didn't do it. Like, that's a dumb thing. But the NCAA finally got something right, and it was the easiest thing they could have ever possibly done. So uh, on Tuesday, the NCAA officially announced that they will use officially the March Madness branding for the women's NCAA tournament. The NCAA took it on the chin rightfully several times this last year for the treatment of female athletes um, with the women's NCAA tournament. You saw the situation with uh, the the. the the workout facilities that they were given. And then you also like saw ridiculous things like for COVID protocol, like nursing babies were counted against teams counts. And so like you had to like bring one less trainer because um, a female coach was nursing a baby and brought them with them. So like stupid stuff like that. Uh, But the NCAA also saw that when they market, women's sports aggressively people come out the volleyball tournament had incredible numbers the women's ncaa tournament basketball tournament had incredible numbers softball did mm-hmm. bang up numbers this year and so uh, the ncaa it's a money-driven decision which is the only thing that motivates those jokers but if it gets us more equity with women's athletics which is something you and i it's a re- one of the reasons why we talk about them is because these these ladies are doing some incredible things on the court and off the court in a lot of situations, but we love seeing them. They are athletes too. They blood, sweat, and tears just as much as all the other players. They deserve this. They they are putting in the hours. They are putting in the work. They deserve to not be treated like second-class citizens because they are athletes just like everybody else. And so I'm glad that even though the NCAA is doing it for probably the worst reasons possible, that they're still doing the right thing.
1: Absolutely, and longtime listeners of the show will know that Gerald and I do not shy away from the specific topic. We also try to shine a very specific light on women's sports. We talk about it. Why shouldn't you? A, because again, just like Gerald said, this you know, let's absolutely destigmatize female athletes to just make it athletes, and let's you know talk about it, and put on TV, and make visible and readily available women's sports. It's an awesome product. Um, but also selfishly, for the University of Texas, our women's sports are amazing and often historically, better and mass on wholesale, better than our men's sports, right? Um, so, yeah, we do it because you should talk about women's sports. We also do it because they're dang good. Uh, and they look to be getting better in the few sports sports that were average in the women's side um, with Vic Schaefer. They're putting together a, a contender there. And with the women's soccer trending up, they might just be, you know, add to our, our top 10 uh, tally, if that was possible, uh, top 10, Texas. Uh, again, it's 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 women's sports as much, if not more uh, than men's sports. So if you're not watching any of those women's sports, we just mentioned or have talked about do yourself a favor, man. You're missing some good stuff.
0: You are absolutely missing out on some of the best competition on campus so that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet
1: oh you can follow me on twitter i'm at kyle carb you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pre
0: you can follow me on twitter i'm at gh Goodrich. follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook up hook up in sports period